Welcome to Living Box Free. Our mission is to help you break out of the box of worldly expectations. We're here to help you find your unique journey to a healthy, fulfilled life. Welcome to Living Box Free. This is Becky Ford. And I'm Ashleen Seitz. And we are starting a new series called Who Dis? All about self-knowledge and self-discovery. But before we jump into that, we start every podcast with one question. Mm -hmm. What is on the rise for you this week, Ash? Well, you're going to find out that my answer is ironic later on in this episode. But my answer is that has been on the rise for me this week is expressing my opinion when I don't need to be. So specifically with my roommate, sometimes I just need to listen. (laughs) And lately I've just been sharing my opinion willy-nilly and it (laughs) it needs to come back down a little bit. Oh, I know Ash's roommate well, and I can see her face now. (laughs) I love it. Uh, What about you, Becky? What's on the rise for you this week? What is on the rise for me this week is our gym. Since it's the pandemic and we're all closed down, we do a health challenge each, each week. This week, that challenge is to run anywhere from three, six, or nine miles in the week. Yes. I used to be a runner, and now that sounds like a lot. Mm -hmm. However, I'm going to try to challenge myself and do a couple two-mile, three-mile runs. I'd love to hit the nine-mile target for Mm -hmm. that challenge. I believe in you. Thank you. You'll probably be with me on some of them. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. I'm getting getting tired already. All right. Well, like Becky said, we're starting a new series this week, and our first episode is going to be about personality. But before we start talking about personality, let's talk about why knowing who you are is important. And often people feel like who they need to be is dictated by society. And we feel like there's one person we are supposed to be growing up and now as grownups, and there's one right way. But that's just not true. And this series is all about self-discovery and how you can learn your own strengths and weaknesses and passions and learn about your experiences and the person that that has made you to be. And you are unique. And there are tools to accomplish that and to help you figure out who you are. Yes, you are unique. Embrace your unique superpowers. That's what we're going to be talking about. This first episode is all about those personality tests we've heard so much about. Mm -hmm. There's quite a few out there. Our goal on this podcast is, one, to talk about what are those common personality tests. And we'll actually have links to those on our website if you'd like an easy way to find them. Two, we're going to do a deep dive in two specific personality tests, one that Ash is well studied in and one that I've really focused on. So we'll talk through those two. You'll get to understand more layers about. And finally, what do you do with them? How do you use these personality tests? Yeah, because you can take it and that's one thing, but then what? Yes, exactly. Absolutely. And before we jump into this array of personality tests, we want to stop. We want to take a moment to talk about some misconceptions Mm -hmm. and maybe even some fears that people have when they're presented with a test to take about themselves. Absolutely. Ash, tell us a little bit about what are some of those fears or misconceptions people have? I know that some people, as soon as we said the term personality test, they started sweating. Or they were like, I don't even want to listen to this anymore. I know. Okay. My brother is one of those people who has never taken, to my knowledge, never taken a personality test. No way. Because he doesn't want to be boxed in. It's like a unicorn to me. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. They are rare, but they exist. They do exist. Yeah. <laughs> and he might call me up after this and say, actually, I've taken one and it was terrible. But yeah, I know that there are people that feel like it's going to box them in and it's going to say things about them that they don't want to hear. And, you know, to some extent, that's true. We mm-hmm. all have blind spots. And we're going to talk about that. We all have things that we don't know about ourselves. 
But first of all, no personality test can tell you who you are. Yeah. That's something that you get to discover for yourself. And if there are places where the personality test is wrong, you get to decide that. And that's okay. No personality test is perfect. We're all unique. It's yeah. really hard to fit all of our personality types into nine types or 16 types or whatever. So everyone's unique. And second of all, these are just tools. They're just mm -hmm. tools you can use to help you figure out what you want to change, who you want to be. And you can use them to identify blind spots, but you can also use them to identify strengths, which are good yep. things. And that's something we're going to talk about in a minute. So Absolutely. don't be afraid. It's okay. Sometimes they're scary. I know that, but don't be afraid. Good, good PSA. <laughs> Personality <laughs> tests are useful and okay. All right. So let's move on and talk about some of the major personality tests. Yes. I, I think you know about a few. Tell us about a few, Becky. Just, you know, just a few. It, it amazes me to hear your brother's never taken one. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that is a unicorn. It's like a mystical creature. <laughs> there are so many out there and quite often, whether it it, maybe it starts in high school now. For me, it started in college. Mm -hmm. In different classes, they actually had us take personality tests. Some common ones that you've probably heard of and perhaps already taken are Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram, which we're going to talk a little bit more about, Strength Finders. I know that was the first one that was introduced to me in college, and I've probably taken it seven or eight times since then from different organizational groups that have given us a code. There's also DISC, super popular one. And then one that uh, I really enjoy, it's not quite as popular, but it's called Insights Discovery. They're out of the UK. It's a little bit more expensive, but it's a really cool one to show you your conscious personality and your less conscious personality when you're not trying to be the best version of yourself. All of these, like you said, Ash, they're all different types of tools and they're testing and probably asking questions that get to different layers mm -hmm. of who you are yeah. and how you react based on your personality. So we've got these common personality tests you've heard of, maybe you've taken. Once again, we have hyperlinks to those tests on our website. So if you'd like to go and search them out, we've made it easy for you. We're going to jump into two of these specifically. One that Ash is going to talk about, the Enneagram. And then I will jump into Strength Finders, one that perhaps you've taken, we'll do a refresher on it, or maybe you've never taken it, and we'll talk about the benefits, the pros and cons of both of these two tools. Yeah. So first off, let's talk about the Enneagram, Ash. I know you are, you are definitely an expert. You read the book before I did and inspired me to get the audio book about the Enneagram, and then we went to a, a conference. Yeah. Edge X, mm -hmm. where we got to listen to the author of that book, yes, which was super cool. So I will, I will pass it to you. I, you are the master of the Enneagram. Oh yes, sure. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm not certified in anything, <laughs> but I have read a lot about it. And uh, yeah, the first book I read was The Road Back to You by Ian Cron, and that's who we heard at Edge X, and he was great. All right, so let's talk about the Enneagram. Often people get a little freaked out about it because the symbol that rec or represents the different types. There are nine types, and for some reason, people think it looks like a pentagram. I don't see it, but okay, sure. Um, so I think people get a little freaked out about that. But basically, it's just the nine types uh, around, arranged around a circle, and it connects to different numbers. And the reason they chose numbers is because they didn't want, they feel like, you know, words and letters have kind of a value in our brains, like you yeah. think A is better than B, and so they didn't want to do that, so they chose numbers to Ash represent is better than types. Becky. Exactly. Man. Well, we know Bummer. that's true. Come on now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, so there are nine types. Um, I'll 
I'll go through the nine types real quick. So one is the reformer, two is the helper, three is the achiever, four is the individualist. I'm going super fast. <laughs> Five is, oh no. The enthusiast? Nope. That's seven. The investigator. That's mm-hmm. right. See, the, the, my friends who are fives, I don't think of them as investigators, so I always get a little thrown off by that one. Uh, six is the loyalist, seven is the enthusiast, like we said, eight is the challenger, and nine is the peacemaker. So the way that the Enneagram works is they talk about once you hit about four or five years old, your experiences and your nature, your nature and nurture, have combined to basically put you into one of these types, one to the, into one of these categories. And it's your response to how you were raised and how you are wired. So for instance, I am a nine. So I respond to anger. I have a lot of anger and that surprises some people. That surprises me. (laughs) uh, There's a lot of it in there. Um, But the way that I respond to anger is by numbing out or suppressing that anger. And so it makes me into a very, it, it becomes the peacemaker because I'm trying to keep everything under control. I'm trying to make sure that there's not an outbreak of emotion anywhere within me or within my friends or you know I'm I'm constantly the person that's like oh there's something wrong here what do I do how do I fix it yeah. that kind of thing so yeah. it has to do often you can trace it back to your childhood and so for my childhood I felt like and you know this is one of those things that's weird to say when you know your parents might hear this but I felt like my voice didn't matter mm-hmm. and so I learned to just push down what I felt and what I thought And that's how I reacted to the world. And so, for instance, you might have felt like in order to be heard, you had to achieve everything. You had to be the best you could possibly be. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You're you're so good at achievement. (laughs) Achievement was my love for a while, yes. If I didn't get straight A's, it was not good. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the fact that that might not be true of you anymore, yeah. because that's the other th- great thing I enjoy about the Enneagram, is you can you can move from different places of being unhealthy to mm-hmm. being average to being healthy. And so you're basically supposed to move beyond the Enneagram. You're supposed to move out of your own type. So it tells you where mm-hmm. you start. It tells you where at, at your worst, this is who you are, this is how you react to things, and then you can grow and become healthy. So I despise conflict. We'll talk about that later. But my goal is to move into a place where I am comfortable in conflict, knowing that I might feel uncomfortable and yep. I might have negative emotions and I might have to express those, but that that is okay. Yes. What I love about conflict is it gets such a bad rap, <laughs> but even like high functioning teams without conflict, you truly, you're not a high functioning team or even friendships or marriage. Mm-hmm. If you love each other and respect each other, conflict is a good thing to share how you feel yeah. and what you're thinking yep. to truly be able to understand one another. Yes. Watched a movie last night called Hit and Run with Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell and Kristen Bell's character uh, plays, or she plays a girl who has her doctorate in conflict resolution. And then Dax Shepard turns out to be a criminal. And so there's constant conflict resolution throughout the entire movie. It's not the greatest movie. I'm not necessarily (laughs) recommending it, but it was really funny to watch. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, side note. So what do you feel like has helped you to become more comfortable with conflict? I think recognizing that that is a thing. I mean, I don't, sometimes when you Mm -hmm. read these things, I mean, we talked about this, when you read these things, you're like, oh, crap, that's me. You know, I do avoid conflict. I do set aside how I'm feeling. I do ignore problems because I don't want the discomfort or the fear of losing 
connection with someone. Like if I bring yep. up something with you that is not good, I'm afraid you're going to be like, well, it's easier just not to be friends with you. So see ya, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that I have to work through that. And so understanding that that is true and that that's how I function, that's my natural state, but that I don't have to be stuck in that. Yes. And when you see what a healthy person looks like, that really encourage, well, it encourages me mm-hmm. to keep working on it and to keep moving forward. Yeah. You can be in that healthy state, but it's always an intention, intentional yeah. focus yeah. on being aware of yourself to And do it's that. a process. I mean, yeah. so I'm saying I, it's hard for me to speak up and voice my opinion, and I'm getting better at it. And I'm getting better at it to the point where now, like I said at the very beginning, I'm sometimes saying my opinion too much. And so it's a process. You just have yeah. to figure out, yeah, you have to figure out where healthy is for you. Yeah. It it's it helped me realize so much more. I hadn't taken a personality test that talks so much about your childhood and how you were nurtured and the mm-hmm. impact of that, yeah. which I really appreciate. Absolutely. And you can take the test. I think this is one of the ones where, because there are only nine types, you can just read through and say, you know what, this is the one that relates to me the most. And mm-hmm. there's going to be parts of every single one that you can relate to, but it's the one that you relate to the most. Yes. So, yeah. so to close the Enneagram. Yes. How does someone know that's the test for them to take? Oh, man. You ask really good questions, Becky. I'm sorry. I didn't didn't write that one down. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think I would say if you want to know more about why you do the things you do. So for me, it's about, okay, why do I try to numb out? Why, when I'm feeling anxious or when I'm feeling angry, do I immediately want to sit down and eat a whole bunch of food and watch Netflix? Like, why do I do that? If you want to understand why, that's the test for you. Great. Cool. All right. So enough about the Enneagram, even though I could go on all day. Tell <laughs> us about StrengthsFinder. Yes. Well, one one of my strengths is positivity, mm-hmm. which is probably why I love StrengthsFinder because it's a very <laughs> positive test. Yes. This assessment has been out for quite some time, and they actually have added different strengths or themes to it. So the definition of or the headline of StrengthsFinder yeah. is the importance of focusing on growing your strengths and putting energy into improving and leveraging your strengths versus just looking at your weaknesses, which traditionally a lot of personality tests, that's what they've been focused on is here's where you need to improve. Yeah. The, the strengths finder also defines when we talk about a strength, what makes a strength? There's three components. Mm-hmm. It's knowledge, skill, and talent. Okay. 50% of what you need to have a strength is, what would you guess? Knowledge, skill, or talent? What's talent. 50%? That's, gosh, you're so smart. Ash. I am so yes. smart. It's almost like I've read the book and just pulled it up from the yes. back of my mind somewhere. So 50% of what you need for it to become a strength is talent. So when you take this assessment, and it says this in the book, it's actually truly assessing what are your natural talents, knowing that you cannot create a talent. It's fixed. Mm-hmm. But you can adjust learning a skill or gaining knowledge. Mm -hmm. You can read, you can learn. When it comes to a skill, you can practice. Ash and I have been practicing handstand walks for years now. You can ask us later how that's going. (laughs) Or we might not want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Just forget we even mentioned that. (laughs) So that is the the baseline of StrengthsFinder. That's what a strength is. There's 34 different themes that it tests. Mm -hmm. You can pay for a version that gives you how you rank all 34? Yep. I have never done that. You've done that, right? I have done that. Yeah. It's kind of depressing. It could be scary. (laughs) Yes. I've only done the normal version, which is your top five strengths. Yeah. And in college, I actually was a part-time facilitator and went through the training on how to do a half-day training on Mm -hmm. on learning about your strengths. 
Anything in your top 12, those can fluctuate into your top five. Okay. Anything below your top 12 probably will never be a strength. Now they're there, you have the capacity. Mm -hmm. However, focusing on those top 12 yeah. is really where, where the, the money is made, as you could say. Yes. Now, as we look at these 34 strengths, there's also what we call four domains that they fit in. And this is a really cool activity if you have a work team and you wanna learn how your strengths come together and create a cohesive, effective working team. There's four domains. And as a team, it's great to have people with strengths that are in each of those domains. Yes. So what first domain is executing. Okay. I've got two strengths in, in that box for my most recent test. So I have Achiever and Arranger, okay. which are both executing in my top five. Mm -hmm. The second domain is called Influencing. Okay. And in my most recent test, I don't have any in this. In the past, I've had Woo and a few others. Okay. Do you remember if you have any in Influencing? I do not. Okay. Not in my top five, no. The, the next domain is relationship building. Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess. I got one of those. You've got one. Yep. Nice. Uh, when it comes to relationship building, the two that I have in my most recent test is connectedness and then positivity, as okay. I already mentioned. Yep. And then the last one where Ash is like the baller all-star, <laughs> strategic thinking. Yep. I have futuristic. And okay. that futuristic and achiever have been in every test top five that I've taken. Nice. So I know that those are two very cornerstone strengths of mine. Yeah. You've got four? I have four, yes. You want to list do you list those off for us? Oh, input, intellection, learner, and deliberative. Nice. And yeah. I uh, we've talked about this. I think deliberative is one of my last ones. <laughs> when it comes to details, numbers, color coding, yeah. I try. Yeah. <laughs> I try. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So those are those four domains that those strengths fit into. When it comes to strengths finders, how do you know if this is for you? It's a very easy read. So there's a book, Strength Finder 2.0. Gallup is the organization that has tested millions of people across the globe to come up with these 34 themes. And the, the book, Strength Finder 2.0, it goes into explaining that strength. Here's what it's like to work with someone in that strength. So mm -hmm. if I wanted to read up on Ash's strengths and how I should best work with someone who has those, I can read that in this book. They also have another book that takes it even deeper and it's called Go Put Your Strengths to Work. And it takes that application and how do you apply this at work and what does it mean for your work team to the next level. So the Strength Finder 2.0, highly recommend that for people who want a quick read. We're focusing on five items that describe what your natural talents are. Yeah. So it's simple. Mm -hmm. I'd say this is much more simple than the Enneagram yes, it is. and the road back to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So if you don't have a lot of time and if you like concise, this is probably a great test. Yeah. And also understanding it's focusing on your strengths and realizing that overuse of strengths is possible too. Mm -hmm. For me personally, the achiever strength is one where I've realized at times I overuse that I can be too task-oriented. It's okay to relax. <laughs> it's okay to watch Netflix and eat some chocolate chip cookies sometimes. So it does mention that as well. So we yeah. talk about focusing on your strengths, but realizing they can be overused and how do you have them in a healthy state. Yeah, makes sense. The other book, Putting Them to Work at That Workplace, I recommend that mostly for teams. I think for you in the workplace, it helps you create. It has templates in that book for an application, 
how do I grow and leverage my strengths in the workplace, but a lot of good stuff that I would recommend sharing with your teammate. If you do a retreat Mm -hmm. with your team, that would be the book I would recommend. And it is easier, it's easy to remember as you go through that with your team, five, I mean, five is still more than three. Three mm-hmm. is what the brain remembers easiest. Yeah. But it's five five things about each person. And yeah. I know some organizations even have placards by your cubicle that have your name and here's your five strengths. So you can keep that in mind when you're working with people. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So as we said, there are many other options. For instance, do you know what your Myers-Briggs is off the top of your head? Oh my gosh. E N. So extrovert, intuition, feeling, What's the last one? J, I think. Judgment. Yeah, that I'm doesn't pretty surprise sure. me. So I'm an INFJ. Oh, you were so much faster than me. <laughs> My brain wasn't turning quickly. <laughs> so basically, we're the same except for intro- introvert, extrovert. So that's it. Mm-hmm. I find that fascinating because you can take one test and we can be complete opposites. Yeah. I mean, I think the things that are on your strengths finder at the top are on the bottom of mine. And then in another, we can have only one category different. That's so a good call out. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Once so, again, it's not a one box. This is who you are. Correct. And all those elements, it, it is, I enjoy different tests. Obviously, I don't, I wouldn't recommend hopping through a bunch of them all at once, but different tests can definitely articulate different ways that you come across who you are, whether it's at work, at home, your strengths, your weaknesses, mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah. So we've talked about two different options we've used. How do we apply these? So you take the test, you get the results, then what? Yes. The, the worst thing you can do is pay for a test and not do anything with Oof, it. Yeah. All about actually doing something to apply and improve here. So we've got four, four steps that we'll share with you. Mm-hmm. First one is pick a test. Pick one. Yep. Pick that test, take it, and really read the results. I'm all about highlighting, underlining, starring. Highlight what you totally agree with. You're like, oh my gosh. They, they know me. How'd they yeah. write that? And then maybe make a mark next to anything where you, you're questioning, is that really me? Mm-hmm. And you need to follow up on. So first, pick a test, take it. What are those key takeaways for you? Make some notes. The second step is identifying blind spots. My husband, I mentioned, I have made him take multiple personality tests. One of them, I had him read it, and he did, he did the steps, underline what stood out to him, uh, circle anything that he didn't agree with. Yeah. And we went to dinner. Went to Longhorn Steakhouse because we're so fancy. Oh, excellent. Free bread? What? <laughs> <laughs> went to Longhorns and I'll never forget. He was going through those items yeah. that he circled that he was like, I don't agree with this. Yeah. And I would then talk through examples of, oh my gosh, that is so true. Do you remember that one time when we were here on vacation and you reacted this way? Yeah. And so as we talked through that, most of the things he'd circled were blind spots. Okay. That he did not realize that he was coming off that way or he, he his perspective was just yeah. very different than mine. And there was a few that, yes, we both said, okay, that's probably not really you. No personality right. test is 100%. Right. But the majority of them, as we talked through them at that delicious Longhorn Steakhouse dinner. <laughs> they He identified those as blind spots and yeah. it was very eye-opening. And it is so important when you do go to someone you trust that knows mm-hmm. you well, Yeah, you need to feel safe and you need to make sure the other person you're asking feedback from is in that respectful relationship with you where you can have really good dialogue about some of those areas that mm-hmm. you don't recognize that are blind spots that are that's that's the richness of these personality tests is yeah. discovering those blind spots. Yeah. 
for me, one of the blind spots I discovered in StrengthsFinder, as I mentioned, Achiever, I love my to-do list. <laughs> and it actually talks in the book, StrengthsFinder 2.0, how you get easily bored in meetings that you don't feel like have enough purpose for you. Yeah. And I've noticed that. And oh, I am trying to be so much better about... I, I don't always know my faces, but yeah. I've had my teammates say, Becky, I could tell you were not paying attention. Or Becky, I could tell you were working on something else <laughs> than what we were talking about. And so I am really trying. That's a blind spot that I've been told and I now know, okay, my coworkers can read me really better than I can read myself. Yeah. I need to be more present in the moment in those meetings, take notes about the meeting, mm-hmm. or maybe even help facilitate what are the key outcomes we need to get to here? Yeah. Any any blind spots you've discovered through the Enneagram? Oh, several. Yes. <laughs> I think in reading what a healthy nine looks like, the realization that I have to experience my emotions and process them. So as a nine, I tend to feel like emotions are, dis- are uncomfortable, any strong emotions, really even positive ones, because they can upset the balance of what I'm feeling and I want to maintain some balance. And... I've realized that I wasn't experiencing my emotions. And I think that that has come both through the Enneagram and other people saying that, you know, saying, okay, well, tell me how you actually feel about this. Or, you know, you seem angry. Are you angry? And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm angry. I didn't even, (laughs) yep. mm -hmm. Didn't think you could tell. Thought I was stuffing it down there. So yeah, realizing I need to process those and I need to sit in those. And I still, oh man, I still struggle with that. I think last time or a couple counseling sessions ago, my counselor said, okay, well, why don't you set a timer for 60 seconds and tell yourself you're going to sit in your emotion for 60 seconds. And I was like, oh man, it felt like she was treating me like a toddler, first of all, (laughs) but I I also needed it, you know, and it's kind of embarrassing when you're like, oh man, I need someone to tell me to sit in this emotion, anger, frustration, embarrassment, whatever it is, sit in it for 60 seconds, and then you can move on. So, yeah, that's one of the blind spots that has been pointed out over the course of several years. Yes. Yeah. So we've talked about step one, pick a test, take it, analyze the results. Step two, identify those blind spots. Go to someone who you trust, you feel safe with, Mm -hmm. and you can have a healthy dialogue knowing that feedback is a gift. This is a good thing. So step three is around picking two to three things that you can really focus on. Mm -hmm. Ash, you want to tell us a little bit about that? I do. I do want to tell you a little bit about that. So if you pick more than two or three things, you're going to get overwhelmed. That's really yes. just the basic principle here. If you if you pick six things, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to feel like you're trying to change your whole life. And that's not the point. You want to move toward being a healthier version of you. You want to move toward being who you want to be. And so pick two to three things and stick with them. I mean, that's hard, Yeah. especially if it's something, you know, a big concept like patience or having more focus at work and, you know, not zoning out or not working on other things. And that's, it's hard to do, but if you can make little actionable steps of, okay, this is what patience looks like in my life and pick two to three things, then yeah, it, it makes it a lot easier and try to stick with it. So identify those two to three items. What can you focus on? Where do you want to grow? And the final tip that we have for you to put this into play in your life is creating a to be list. Yeah. And I was telling Ash before this podcast, you know, so much of leadership is learning from other leaders. Yes. And there is a leader at my organization 
And he shared this concept with me. He has, instead of a to-do list, which as an achiever in StrikesFinder, I love to-do lists. <laughs> so he has a different type of list. I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> more lists. More lists. Yes, please. Yes. Is it Christmas? <laughs> and so he has a list called a to-be list. Uh-huh. And he has that list in his office. And every month he revisits it and he updates it. Mm-hmm. And that to-be list is who does he want to be? So for example, one of the items I have on my to-be list is to be someone who gives more affirmation. Hmm. I am very task-oriented a lot of the times. Yeah. And I'm good at, when we're in a CrossFit workout, saying, oh, awesome job, yeah. way to connect those pull-ups. You did so good. <laughs> However, in the workplace, yeah. and especially working on gym stuff with my spouse, mm-hmm. I don't do the best job of giving affirmation. I am check the box, move on. Yeah. And it hit me one day when my husband, Tristan, said, oh, Becky, I just feel like nothing I do is good enough. Hmm. And, I, and I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's great. Like, we, I don't understand. And yeah. it was this gap of my achiever's strength overplaying and me not stopping and being someone who showed appreciation and affirmation yeah. to those I work with. And so my to-be list is I want to be someone who is known for celebrating even the small wins, not yeah. just the big wins, and those tasks with those people that I work with. Yeah, that's really great because it, it gives you something to focus on for the future, but it's also pretty concrete Yes, because you can work that in out into small steps. Yes, and, really and great. I do a month. That's my goal is revisit it every month because if you practice it enough on a daily basis in a month, hopefully it becomes a part of who you are and how you're leveraging your personality in a more positive way. And hopefully you can update that list. Yeah. So what's the next thing? Maybe you're focusing on two each month. One of them maybe stays on that list, but mm-hmm. there's a new one perhaps that can come on, rise up yes. since you uh, accomplished the other. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we need to wrap up, even though I know we could talk about this for a very, very, very long time, but we need to wrap up. So join us next time for talking about superhero creeds, what that is, and how to be your best self. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us on Living Box Free, put on by On The Rise Group. You can learn more about our services at ontherisegroup.com. Also follow us on social media, Instagram and Facebook at ontherisegroup. We hope you'll tune in next time for more helpful content.